Welcome to True Alignment. I'm Edgar Papke. I'm Ken Sagendorf. Good morning, everybody. We're live from the Innovation Incubator once again in the Anderson College of Business and Computing at Regis University in Denver, Colorado. And it's beautiful outside, nice and sunny. Beautiful weather for this time of year. We have, uh, you know, that cool weather has given us kind of rare Monday energy, Edgar. I think so, yeah, right? especially I mean, over the weekend. Yeah, we're a little late getting... Uh, getting on the air here this morning because we were just excitedly talking about so many different things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, including the weekend of uh, David Matthews Band and Brandy Carlisle being in town at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. Nothing yeah, like true. live music. There's Nothing that. like it. Yeah. I, you Dancing know, to the stars. Yes. I mean, I... And the fog. Just that, that kind of being able to uh, connect with something without, without agenda. Yes. Yeah. And I think that's the happiness that that brings, is that yeah. uh, in those moments that happiness is just joy and not being inhibited by things that are holding you down. Yeah. Just get to soar a little bit. Mm-hmm. I know uh, my 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 best friend on the planet, Hank, he, he and I always differed in the genres of music that we enjoyed. Um, and I remember him saying to me, why do you like that music? And how hard of a question that is. <laughs> Right. I mean, why do you like, why do you like anything? Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, and, and, you know, there's just something infectious uh, about a beat, uh, you know, and I will share with you, music's just such a transporter, right? We had this when we talked to um, Tim's story and, and he talked about his friend Smokey Robinson and we just talked about, you know, music yeah. just brings you, I mean, it just transports you to someplace, right? I mean, new music just gets in your bones sometimes. Um yeah, and, and, and then I think back to uh, the book True Alignment. Um, there's a piece about the Dave Matthews band and the brand intention, the brand of Dave Matthews, and then you see Brandy Carlyle brandfully, and that essence of community that they both put out there in such a powerful way that attracts people to them, attracts people to the community, and they just keep building on that. Yeah. And you think back to the Grateful Dead and... You know, you, you you see the power of the in you know the listener. The it is the customer experience, and how well that they're able to build on that, and the recognition that all art in one shape, form, or another, all art is sustained and grown through the construct of the art of business. Yeah, and what what the emotional driver is for the customer experience. I think that's a part that, uh, what a great point, Edgar. I think that's a part that gets lost a little bit um, when when the artist ego is in the way. Oh, interesting. Right? When the idea that it is about me, because, you know, everything we do in life comes back to me. To the me, yeah. Um, Which happens in our work a lot because sometimes it's hard to get started with a group or team or a CEO uh, when, they, when they focus so much internally and internally to themselves as opposed to looking on it to the world and, and focusing on the customer. And this is really where we wanted to go today with the podcast, because in our, in our work, oftentimes the question is always about culture and leadership. Yes. When in reality, I mean, and I, you know, we see this in our MBA program too. The mind warp is, you know, the focus on creating value for the customer mm-hmm. um, in the world as the primary driver to how you organize. And in our alignment framework, we talk about the CX, that customer experience, and that brand intention is the front end of the alignment framework is actually the part that needs the most attention. Your success is easier if you spend the most of your attention there 
and build your culture and leadership based on those uh, the answers to that front end of the uh, framework. Exactly, yeah. You build and align the culture, and the leadership influence needs to be in alignment and have a clear line of sight to that customer experience. So the behaviors of leaders, and this becomes so important because we can get so caught up in metrics and get so caught up in uh, the performance, uh, you know, the numbers game, uh, only to realize and come back around to the idea that the numbers are just verification. They're ways of, of seeing how well we're performing to the actual experience of the customer through our product, through our service, through how it is that we, we create, we design that experience. You heard this last week in Ruben Martinez's uh, commentary mm-hmm. about the American Glamping Association. And I, and I wonder, I mean, just curiosity, uh, Ruben and I are going to go have coffee again this week, but, and I've known Ruben forever. And I wonder if, if this isn't kind of his excitement amount around the American Glamping Association, where he is for that community focused on the experience of helping those people a, a, as a greater focus um, than those, than the culture, than the leadership. I mean, he knows that the rest of that stuff will come if he hits that community right. Yeah, and that's important to be able to keep an eye on that. Uh, so for him, yeah, that's if you look at that as your brand or your the intention of your brand, because as we know, community is just one of six. That there's different ways of coming in and how it is that we design and we create and deliver products and services to respond to the emotional being of the customer and. Having, having some sense of what that looks like and being able to get aligned to that becomes key. And one of the things that happens, and I think this is also part of the idea of, you know, how do we measure and what are the metrics and KPIs, key performance indicators, the OKRs, the results, right? Mm-hmm. And, you, and you look at it through that lens and you realize that unless you keep that focus, you can actually go go awry with what you're measuring. And, and there you can create disconnects between what you're measuring and what that actual customer experience is. And I think that's important to keep in mind. And also when you look at it from the construct of how we build organizations and say if you're an entrepreneur and you're in early stages and you're having some success and you're going out there to get funding and then you're you're going out there to find more talent to help you to build in the business disciplines that are required for success. And everyone starts in a way, integrating into the system of your business um, and influencing it in different ways. And unless you have a clear alignment to what the customer experience is intended to be, you can easily d- get diluted in how you deliver to it. And those differing opinions, forces, the, you know, the different, the different ways of looking at it uh, that people will bring to the table can easily create the misalignments that are going to then create conflicts. And if you see that, you go, okay, there's a conflict, there's a misalignment, let's get back at it. Uh, unfortunately, because we have a tendency at times to avoid those kinds of conflicts, it sometimes creates a more um, bumpy road to, to where you're going. Uh, you know, I'm coming back to earlier comments on the podcast about um, – you know, you always have a line that uh, we often hear that culture eats strategy for breakfast. Right. Uh, and you, ha- you that, that bothers you and you have a line. What's your line about that? Uh, yeah, no, that's a fallacy because culture is a strategy. Culture is a strategy. Right, it's a measurable. It's, 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 part of, it's a part of a system. It's a part of a framework for business. Yeah. So as we um, 
culture is a strategy. And I, as you mentioned, that idea that we're doing all of these business things and that's as an entrepreneur moves and they build out the business, the focus moves from the customer uh-huh. to the operations. Yeah. Um, and I, uh, yeah, we begin to we begin to internalize it, and you can see this too if you're sitting around the table with a group of people talking about strategy. How often the conversation can get internalized, including the conversation about the customer. Having just gone through this with the team, the question I always like to ask is, who are you asking, and who are you talking to about the customer experience? And most of the time, people are internalizing and talking to each other. And working with what from from their point of view, without going out and conducting the contextual inquiry that's required required to really understand the customer, and I'm not talking just about surveys because I think data surveys and customer surveys and data is remarkably valuable. Absolutely, I will suggest you it's only going to have its true value when you integrate it with contextual inquiry of actually having conversations and talking to people. Yeah, it, you know, coming, well, I'll bring it back to our conversation about Brandy Carlisle and Dave Matthews' uh, concerts this weekend. You know, in, in order to keep up, they're fortunate enough that the community builds upon itself now. But, you know, ideally, those musicians would step off the stage and go stand in the crowd to figure out what is actually being experienced by the customer. Well, <laughs> Funny you mention that, because <laughs> there's two things about this that I think are extraordinary. The first one is that um, they, they draw people to them. They also are able to use it. They yeah. use it. Uh, the warehouse, you know, the fan community that was built, uh, that Dave Matthews is. And then you think of the uh, Brantfully, which is the uh, what the, the branding is of the family orientation of, yeah. of, and family is all about community. So... You see it, it's actually in a very subtle way, yet it is about the community brand intention. You see that working so remarkably well. And both have a clear influence uh, on the, the, the idea of family. And they travel with family. Yeah. Um, uh, Brandy Carlisle brought family. She brought a, a, a set of, of, of ne- nieces and nephews to the stage as part of her performance. And it was just absolutely remarkable. And you could get the essence of that community in that moment where the entire Red Rocks Amphitheater just became one, one with that group of children on the stage. Now, that is, in of itself, that's the experience. And then it gets reinforced with the messaging throughout the course of the evening, the invitation to be a member of this community that draws others to it. Yeah. And then, in a way, from a business context, gets formalized. It gets formalized through whether it's it's what, what what each artist uses, yeah. Which brings us back then, and we're just talking about one of the six brand intentions. We're talking about what that experience is like, and that's very very different than experience when you go to an Apple store, right? Totally. Or all the other remarkably powerful experiences we have as customers. So, Edgar, you know, I think one of the hardest things to talk about in all of business is is a construct of doing business differently. And I think true alignment is challenging for so many because even though it's so elegantly simple, it's challenging for so many because the traditions of business dictate that you go from paying close attention to the customer to working on your business 
And that, and that's where you get into that culture and leadership. And I would argue that, uh, you know, if you think of our framework from left to right with the customer experience, the CX on the left, uh, next to the brand intention, then the, um, you know, the employee experience, the culture, and then the leadership. I think so many people move further right, the more active a business gets, and it requires a certain amount of attention to keep a focus over there on that left-hand side towards the customer experience and the brand intention. Oh, in the model. Yes. Yeah. And I, you know, and I think, um, you know, so I'm going to bring the movie reference of the week in early. I, I, you know, this, people talk to me all the time about, um, you know, they'll say, Hey, send me your podcast. You talked about it, send it to me. And I have to go listen to it because honestly, this is so in the moment for us having this conversation back and forth. And, you know, the movie reference thing is, is, is kind of a joke between us because I never know which one's coming up. It depends on the conversation. Uh, but apt uh, this morning as we're having this conversation leading with our, our weekend uh, musical experiences that uh, Amy and I watched Elvis this week. Um, did you get a chance to watch it yet? Not yet. So uh, Boz Lerman um, directed, uh, wrote and directed that, that story, and it's narrated by uh, Colonel Tom Parker. And it's a tragedy, frankly. It's not at all... Um, not the story I thought I was going into when we started to watch the movie. Um, but you know, it is right from, uh, right from Elvis's, uh, roots as a child in, in Memphis and, you know, him going to a church revival yes, and, and being drawn, being drawn, uh, you know, to, to the, to the gospel music of the revival and the, the crowd participation Right. I mean, I think, you know, the way that Lerman tells that story is Elvis is drawn not only by his internal feelings, but by watching the people that were listening to the music and the intersections there. Mm -hmm. Right. And then, you know, his career was guided. Uh, the, the way the story is told is his career was guided in a way where now it just became about him performing for the money. I mean, and it's all wrapped up in, the, you know, he ends up with a residency in, in Las Vegas yes. um, that prevents him from going internationally. And, and really, it, it starts to move right on our framework, starts to move towards just the artist and the management as opposed to um, yeah, the, the it, customer experience. Yeah, and connecting all those pieces, right? The brand and what's represented through that and the culture that you're operating in yeah. and how significant that is. And I'm just going to go back to Dave, so... So Dave Matthews band one night, Brandy Brandy Carla the next night, and what was what was so real about it is the authenticity. So regardless of who you are as a leader, whether you're an engineer and you're very perhaps you know a D on the disc scale, um, or you're very social and outgoing, and regardless of who you are as a leader, that kind of authenticity and the alignment, I mean. You can't see, an, if Elon Musk is in front of a crowd, it's a very different experience, right? And yeah, you could say music is the big difference. Uh, just simply strip everything away. What's the authenticity you show up with? And what's the believability that you put out there? And some will like it and some will not. Yeah. And, that's, and, that's, and that, that's part of business. Not every customer is intended to be your customer. Not all revenue is good revenue. And we know that and realize that. So that, that authenticity piece... So that as a leader sees themselves, especially in the in the business context, 
to see themselves and and how valuable and how powerful it is that they align their leadership right back out to that customer experience and that there's not there's not a set of barriers or influencers in between that um that inhibit that yeah the image that is coming to my mind as you say that edgar is like somebody walking across a um a, a plank bridge right ideally the bridge to the customer is always solid but I, it seems to me that many leaders think of that as kind of a disintegrating a disintegrating pathway because, and I don't know if there's fear in here because we, we've said that on the podcast multiple times and not all revenue is good revenue. But, you know, part of the framework, uh, the align, true alignment framework is really picking that foundational human emotion that you want to meet with your business the most. And it might, it might be fruitful here because I don't think we've done it to really talk about kind of when we move to the brand intention, the ways of selling that go with those human emotions, mm-hmm. because so many times we're in conversations and people are like, well, I want to do all three. I want to meet all three of those human emotions, right? right? Like they're trying to frantically build that bridge to keep it solid going that way. And it seems to me, and the reason I say disintegrating is because there's a fear of, of opportunity loss, because, yes. because, but there's a different customer that wants something different. I mean, and I think this is in our day and time, rev- revenue is fairly easy. I mean, I think that, you know, billion dollar revenue is hard, but a little bit of revenue for a business, a little bit of additional revenue for a business is easy because you can move keeping those customers, finding new customers that are similar to those customers. That part is really difficult to sustain over time. Yes. And that alignment, I mean, really our work in alignment is saying, if you become really good at this, the customers will always be there and continue to come to your business. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so the three emotions that we talk about are those that are embedded through FIRO theory. The first one is that all of us as human beings want to feel important and significant through the give and get of attention, inclusion, participation. So here's, I think, uh, you know, one of the wonderful rhetorical things you do when you are presenting, um, and now I do because I learned from you, is to talk about um, the opposites, to, to talk about the opposites here. The opposite of feeling important is to feel ignored. Yes. Yeah, to not feel a part of, to feel excluded and not, uh, and that, that in of itself, and we've, we've talked about this, the uh, trust nautilus. And how significant it is that at the core of every relationship is this need to be heard, to be listened, to be acknowledged. And so that can be leveraged. And that is that is the essence of two brand intentions, one that we've been talking about, which is community, because community provides you a vehicle really for the give and get of a, attention, for the, a vehicle for inclusion belonging, and feeling right. a part of it, and yeah. that sense of connectivity and belonging. Yeah. And there's another one, too, in the product and service space, which we call customization. We call customization because it is about the 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 customer owns, to a great extent, owns their own experience of what they receive, and you customize your product or service to meet that. In other words, the customer, if there's a solution the customer has it, if there's a want, they have it. And what you're constantly doing is taking your product and service and flexing it and massaging it in a way to meet that need. 
And again, that's a, that's about attention. It's about significance. So you can see the difference here, right? Because one is about some level of scale, um, because community can build on each other, just like the warehouse in Dave Matthews or yes. the mm-hmm. right uh, the Bramley. Um, did I say that right? Yeah. Um, and then uh, you know the other one is directly to an individual. Or yes. directly to another organization. And I'm paying attention to you. Here it is. I'm giving you exactly what you want the way you want it. Yeah. yeah and you you scale that one because you find more direct individuals or direct companies that want yeah. that customization. Yeah, in the business context, you're willing to do a one-off. You're willing to give that person what it is within the scope of your business and your product or service, of course. Yeah. The thing is you're really focusing on, and that customer is willing to – in essence, if you want to go to the metric, it's it's pay for it. And just as they're willing to pay to be a member of a community or they buy a Harley to be a part of the community, you know, there you go. Well, and this is uh, such an interesting conversation around kind of the sense of community because we know from the, from the data that people are belonging to less and less um, kind of social organizations generationally now, but they're not walking away from these communities of... They're not... They're drawing to them. Yes, they're drawing to, to communities, just not the ones that we knew back in the 50s, 60s, and 70s. Yeah, and in a way, actually, because it's so natural to us, you see this throughout history. Woodstock was about the community, and here we are again. We're, we're there again. I, the thing is, I could say again, we've always been there. Yeah. It's just a matter of how you see it and how you recognize it. And in the business context, how do you, how do you design uh, a product to service to meet that the, that need. Tell us about the the second human emotion. Well, the second one is our desire for to be competent, to to be able to cope and be capable, and and I like to think of it as uh, the attainment by definition, an attainment of success by being really great or good at something, and uh, to be able to to leverage that. And so when we talk about the customer experience, that's wrapped around feeling competent and feeling predictably capable. It's really about that idea of that I can choose the right product or service and it can either verify my status that I'm good at what I do, That's my status in society and yep. the hierarchy. And so we, it, we, the product or service really is delivering in, in innovation is delivering a uniqueness, a cutting edge, um, something that's higher quality and better than the competitors. And so we innovate into the product and service space that way. And really what the customer is feeling, getting a sense of, is I have the, the know-how, I have the ability to recognize it, I, I know I can, I, I can buy this, I know how to use it. And so you, know, you go down that path of, of really the preeminent product or service space. Yeah. And that's the customer experience there is that you've got to deliver competently over and over and over. There's a demand for that. And every time that you reach one threshold of competency that's demonstrated in your product or service uniqueness, the expectation is you're going to take it to the next level and the next level and next level. iPhone, iPhone, iPhone. Yeah. Right. Samsung. Totally, <laughs> S- totally. S- right. 10, 11, 22. Well, there's a relativity in there, right? I mean, that the customer is thinking in, in relative terms. Yes. Right. X is better than Y. More right. innovative than, than and Z. And the more innovative, the more they again, the more they're willing to pay for it. If you, really great preeminent products and services don't get discounted. Yeah. Because the discounting would be a, a verification that it's not the best. It's not the top of the 
the the the uh, the, the pyramid of uh, of uniqueness and innovation. Yeah, that's an interesting thing, and I think if you're out there listening, the idea that pay attention to that, not discounting. Um, yes. Right. I mean, because you, you know, a lot of these, and this is where the marketplace is a little funky because you can find those non-discounted products on Amazon. They're not always coming from Amazon, but go and see if they're the same price on Amazon, and that will give you some some information about whether or not this company is about developing a competence or something different. Yeah, and so that sense of it, as a customer, I know, and and, and in a lot of the product space, when we talk about preeminence as the brand, it's that I can demonstrate to the world that I can afford it. Yeah. And so our natural consequence as human beings of competency and how it shows up in our social realm is by how we build hierarchy. Yeah. And the social hierarchy that exists. Now, interestingly enough, the other way that we sell and brand competency is low price. And keep in mind here, the customer's experience here is, look, I'm getting the best deal. Yeah. And your Amazon reference is a really good one because some people say, well, you can't get the best deal on Amazon. Well, if you're competent enough to know how to shop on Amazon, yeah, you probably, right. in most <laughs> cases, will get the best deal if you look for it. And you may have to wait for it to be delivered to your door 10 days later. Right. The thing about it is it's available to you. And these are the Walmarts of the world, et cetera. And now we're talking, if you're looking at it through the business lens, now we're talking volume. And when we think about community, and we think about um, customization and preeminence, you could play a niche and be very successful and so, get the right revenue through the niche. Absolutely. Here we're talking the right revenue is, is really volume-driven because you're talking about lower margins when you're playing low price. So uh, a differentiation here, a uh, question for you, and just to make sure that we can clarify for the listeners, low price doesn't mean, you know, if I have, uh, if I go listen to Guy Kawasaki's 10 Rules of Innovation you know, one of the things uh, that he'll always refer to is a play on Bobby McFerrin's song of Don't Worry, Be Happy. He's got a line that he says, Don't Worry, Be Crappy. Um, because uh, what he's trying to tell his audience is, don't, don't wait till perfection to get out the door. Um, how it can be interpreted is, you know, and he'll, he'll say, you know, I'm not telling you to ship crap. Because low price here as we're talking about it is not the same thing as a crappy product because as you as you mentioned those organizations of a Walmart of a McDonald's there is low price I've gotten the best deal but the deals are consistent yes. right there is some consistency amongst those organizations that work in that high volume low price arena and that's it it's the predictability of the consistency of the pricing model that the customer is depending on because the customer wants to feel competent that they got the best deal. Yeah. They're smart, right? You're competent, you're smart, you're intelligent, you know how to get the best deal. Yeah. The thing is at low price, from a business standpoint, if you don't have volume because you're playing tighter margins, and the big innovation difference here between, and they're both competency cells, the preeminence, the innovation is in the product or service, and that's where most of the attention goes. When we think about low price, it's about consistency and taking the innovation is about taking as much cost as you can out of the supply chain and management of the design, creation, delivery That's of the, the product or service. Take as much as you can out of that. That's where your innovation is to win at the price game. Yeah. Yep. And that's and that's what you're playing. You know, Edgar, in 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 a week or in two weeks, we're going to return to the other side of the alignment framework, and we will talk about culture and leadership. Um, but, but you can automatically see here how easy it is to get 
to move that because that last line you said, right? I mean, that the play here for a competency in the low price arena is taking as much cost out of the supply chain as possible. Yes. And you can see that if I'm working in an organization like that, so the organization that comes to mind here is a Costco, right? Um, which can oscillate a little bit between that preeminence and that low price, um, yes. depending on, on what product is in the store. Yeah, and we did a comparison. Just uh, I'm always driven by the curiosity of how things work. So I went to a Whole Foods and priced their, you know, vintage, quote unquote, vintage olive oil, and uh, then went to Costco, and actually the better deal was at Whole Foods. Yeah. So there you go. So a lot of it is also the brand interpretation, the Completely. emotional quality that you're presenting. Uh, and that's not to say that Costco's cheating you. It's just simply saying that the yeah, their price is just it's a little higher than Whole Foods for the similar product. Yeah. And similar meaning, yeah, they're pretty much the same. But, you know, the one thing that you should recognize about, um, there's not a manager inside Costco that is walking out trying to get more people to come in the door. No. That's not the move they're making. No, that's not. They're, they're drawing through that. And, you know, and then let's just put out that the Whole Foods experience is when Amazon bought it and a lot of people were expecting that, they were going to start getting more significant discounts. And the reality is the pricing models at, at, at uh, Whole Foods were, were held on to pretty well. Yeah. I mean, they really were. Yeah. So that's important to recognize. So not to, con, you know, Amazon, the folks at Amazon are smart enough to know that the brand intention of Whole Foods is, is more about, um, it's more about caring. So let's talk about that. So there's two other ways that we sell. So, so far we've talked about the two attention cells, which are that we sell through building community and through customization. There's two ways that we sell to the competency need and experience of the customer through preeminence and yeah, an innovation of uniqueness and high quality and cutting edge and, and then low price. And then we also sell through what we call our caring lens, and there's two ways that we sell that. And, and behind the caring lens is... Let me interrupt you. So back up to the emotion that is the caring. Yes. Um, so, you know, we have uh, the ability to feel important, opposite of which is to feel uh, excluded or ignored. Mm -hmm. We have the, um, the ability to, to feel competent, um, which is to feel like an expert, the opposite of which is... Well, to be embarrassed or humiliated. To be embarrassed or humiliated. Enough. And I think these opposites are just strong, strong ways to, yeah. to figure this out. Actually, the simple way, if you strip everything away, is I feel like a failure in terms of my own competency and whether I made the right choice, right decision. Because when even if we're looking for the best price, if I buy it one day in one place and find out I could have gotten it for 20% less somewhere else, I feel incompetent as a shopper. Yeah, and this relativity is always in that in that one, right? Yes. In that, in that part of the framework. And then the third one, the, the emotion to feel cared for. Um, and the opposite is to feel rejected, to feel unaccepted, or really basic principle here is to feel lied to, you know, that you're not open and honest with me, that you're not caring about me as another human being. And you can see in each one of these three, what happens is there's a test that occurs. So if you're, if you're exclusive, then you're not allowing people to come into the community, right? 
uh, and people notice that very quickly. That's what happens to Disney if they don't do a family movie, right? Right. And uh, <laughs> if it doesn't work the way it's supposed to, if I buy something from Apple, then right away it's you, you see that distrust of competency show up. And here, the, in the last two brand intentions and the third emotion that customers experience is being cared for or accepted as a, as a fellow human being. And the way that that plays out is so powerful because in the end it sounds like this. If you really cared about me as your customer, translation, as a fellow human being, mm -hmm. then you wouldn't lie to me. You'd be honest. Yeah. And you'd be accepting of, of me in that way as well. And that's at the core of the other two brand ways that we sell, the other two brand intentions. One is uh, physical well-being, that I can take care and care for myself physically, and you're helping me with a product or service that allows me to do that. And that idea of safety, I mean, one of my favorite examples is Subaru. Subaru just goes right at it. They just say, here's the tagline, Subaru, love. Yep. And you can drive that car for 10 years and send your kids off to college. And you may have heard me say this on the podcast before. It's brilliant yes. because it goes right at the core of the emotional being, yep. which is what we're doing through great customer experiences. We're tapping into that emotion. Yep. And so and it, it, there's Whole Foods who, Whole Foods as a company, it, it, it generates this idea of, you know, you're going to take care of yourself and spend more money doing that yeah. to look out for your physical well-being. And the test is always, are they being honest? Are they being truthful? Exactly Can we trust them, there. especially now it's Amazon, you know, it's there. Right. And then the, the last the last way that we sell is personal actualization. So you can see one is physical and now personal actualization of products and services that allow you to discover yourself to self-actualize. This is the top of the Maslow hierarchy. You know, yeah. products and services that allow you to become everything that you can become, which at the end of the day is being honest with yourself. Yep. It really is a pursuit of self-truth and recognizing who I really am and what my choices are to become who I want to be, which is when you look at all the different levels of alignment, why self-awareness for leaders becomes such a keystone to success. Yeah. Because as a leader, I need to discover myself. And now here you can see how the whole system comes together from one end to the other. Because as a leader, I need to be able to really be seeking a sense of self-actualization so that I know myself and that I can align my behavior and through the system, through those around me, deliver a product or service that satisfies the, that human emotion of the, of the customer. That's at the core of the customer experience. And that is at the core of the design when we work with organizations, you look at those and you say, well, yeah, I'd love to be all three. thing is great products and services. Uh, if you look at them, you'll notice that one of those three is out front. Yeah. You can use bits and pieces of the other two. The thing is you need to relentlessly deliver to the customer experience of what satisfies the emotional being. It's, um, yeah, we've, we've been in these situations where we talk to businesses and that is, the more emotions I can capture, the more brand ways I can sell, the more business I can get. And, and, and you bring a wonderful stat from the innovation by design is, you know, there's a reason those companies are the ones studied in innovation by design, because those are the ones that made a commitment in one lane yes. as, a, as opposed they, to trying to capture multiples. Yeah. Regardless of their size. And yes, you can get customers on the fringes, um, that may be tapping into one of the other two emotional aspects of the customer experience that you're providing. 
at the end of the day, uh, they'll, they'll likely be dissatisfied because it's not at the core of your product or service. It's just not there. Yeah. And there's a sense of authenticity that goes with that. Do you think, I mean, a thought just occurred to me, um, you know, the, the nostalgia comes in for the businesses of yesteryear that have gone away that were so frequented. Um, you know, in my experience, we look back at a bunch of those businesses and they've, they lost their way and tried to pick up meeting one of those other human emotions. I mean, you can't, you can't turn these things on a dime. These, these are commitments by the organization. Yes. Yeah, I think that's really important to recognize because that's the game of alignment. I mean, that's really what we're talking about is how do you stay aligned, your North Star, right? Your brand, your values of your organization that show up through your culture need to be in alignment to that experience. And the revenue chasing or overemphasis on key performance indicators that don't align to or um, best represent your, your customer experience and align to it, that's going to take you off track. And that constant innovation that is required is exactly that, which is we know what the North Star is, we know what the brand intention is, we know what the intended, co- and we continuously innovate. We continuously innovate and at times to reinvent it in a way that presents itself. I, there, you, and you innovate in that context, though. I want to point yes. this out, that it's just not innovation for innovation's sake. Uh, you know, uh, one of the authors we use in class is this idea of innovation theater, right? I mean, it is not, you're not looking for a new pasture to roam in. You're focused on that, that core, focused on that North Star. Yeah. And, and when we think about sustainability, one definition that we, that we use a lot with organizations is to question whether you're in survival mode. And does that mean sustainability? And sustainability of growth of the organization, that's, an, that's another definition. And then the question is, what does that growth look like? And are you looking for the right customers? Are you innovating your product or service into the future that keeps on, in a way, even accelerating uh, that emotional component of the customer experience through your product or service. Yeah. And you mentioned something too, you just can't switch on the dime. One of the things we do also recognize is that with some organizations, they may come up with a really innovative product or service that isn't aligned. In that case then, uh, what we often do is we have a conversation with them about it may be time to launch a separate brand. It yeah. may be time to actually build a different kind of organization that aligns itself to that brand because you may not be able to do that in a culture that you have. In so, fact, the culture may in of itself prohibit you to go in that direction. Two, two thoughts come to mind. I mean, this is, that's brand management 101, right, Edgar? At the time when you, at the time when you need to um, talk about a brand extension, at the time when you talk about a brand extension or a brand new brand altogether, right? I mean, to, to your point, I, I mean, I think, people always consider an extension of what you currently do into a new space to be easier because you can use the existing infrastructure. But that comment you made about if the culture is aligned to this particular customer experience and you grab onto a different customer experience, your culture is no longer aligned to that. Yeah, exactly. And so what happens is you may actually undermine your success going into that new experience because your current culture, and, and I'm actually working with an organization where we see this happening. 
is so embedded in what they do, they're having a hard time thinking outside that box. And in a way, if you step back from it, it is representative of that it may be time to get a new get a new organization or new team going in a new direction yeah. and separate from the rest. Uh, yeah, as you shared that story with me, it sounds, um, you know, I'm always, we always come back to the, it's all about me. Um, that seems to be an organization that had, even though they're in a service organization, feels like it's more about them than the customer at this point. It can be, yeah. And, or that we have trouble identifying with that new that new customer, that new marketplace, because we're so embedded in what we do. And, um, yeah, that, that sounds like a little, you can't teach an old dog new tricks kind of line. The, the thing about it is if you're not aware, then that can, that can be a real trip up, and especially for leaders, because if they're not aware of that either, then, you know, granting themselves permission to move into a different space in a new way, a new how becomes difficult. So this un, in the customer experience, Edgar, this, this, uh, you know, these three human emotions and then the brand intention, the ways we sell to those, to those emotions, they are in my experience with what we teach the, what we teach entrepreneurs, they are the spots that require the most attention. And yet people have a tendency to kind of put their time in there, make decisions, and then get into the businessy operations side of it. Right? I mean, you mentioned this with an entrepreneur who's, you know, so focused on the customer and the product or service on the front end, and then, you know, once they get uh, VC money invested and pumped in, they start to do all the operational stuff, um, and, and they work on all the business side. Um, we see that repeatedly, right? I mean, running an organization and you know, especially organizations that have some leadership turnover. Mm-hmm. And, and we've seen uh, both the positive and negative of, of bringing a leader that isn't anywhere close to the line of alignment through the organization and the customer experience. Yeah. Yeah, and every time that you bring people into the organization, this language of alignment and shared terminology and understanding of the customer experience is paramount. And so often in orientations, when people are onboarded into organizations yeah there's a conversation about culture and values and here's how the work gets done and yet whether it's historical or in the present day there there seems to be this lack of that conversation about here's our customer yeah you can have a great product or service if you don't have a customer you don't have a business and so to be able to see it through that lens and continuously and reinforce it the reason any business exists is to provide a product or service that responds to and satisfies a human emotional physical need. And the physical in most cases doesn't occur without the emotional. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, so many um, metaphors and analogies are coming, coming screaming to my mind. This is the, the brick, the wall and the cathedral and the three Masons, um, uh, you know, fable, cutting the stone, cutting the stone. And, uh, you know, the three masons are focused slightly different and you end up with a different product. Yes. Um, it's like, I like the swing set analogy where they hand it off to a, a product design team and they build this incredible swing set with all this, all these gadgets and all this contraption, and everything. And then they present it to the customer and the customer points at a tire and a rope, yeah. <laughs> you know? It's uh, 
yeah. It's so, so important for us to be able to continuously keep coming back to this. So, I, I mean, this is as plain a question as I can ask you. I mean, you mentioned that as new people are introduced to the organization, um, this is easily lost in, in reintroducing people to that customer experience and that human emotional need that the business, uh, the business's services or products are meeting. Um, what prevents that, Edgar? What is... I, I, so uh, as you as you're raising this question, I'm thinking to myself. Yeah, in most cases, somebody gets on- onboarded into an organization. The conversation almost immediately goes to a place of, "Here's what performance looks like, individually and collectively." Very often, it's individually. Here's the definition of performance, and so we we individualize it or move it in that direction so quickly because we're so performance oriented. Because when people enter a room, an organization, a new team, the first thing they want to know is what, what are the definitions of success individually and collectively? Where, how do we define it? And there's the opportunity because that gives us an opportunity to talk about, well, yeah, here's your individual success. Here's the team success. Here's our contribution to the organization's success. And my gosh, what do you know? It's all about the customer, isn't it? It's always at the end of the day about the customer. The thing is we don't allow ourselves to to create those threads. We don't allow ourselves to take the time to build that. And oftentimes the experience when, when that is at the front end introduced to someone like, here's our customer. This is what we're all about. That isn't, isn't a consistent messaging it's provided. And then let's go to performance. Yeah. So the continuum here, we like to call it the conversation of business is alignment. It is. That's the conversation of business is alignment. And we always have to think about customer, brand, culture, and leadership through that lens. Values, core values, beliefs, principles, all through that lens. The reason our principles exist is because they give us a foundation to think about the principles of what the customer experience look like. If those are out of alignment, it's not going to work. And so we've got a the number one conversation of business's alignment begins with the customer experience. So Edgar, uh, thank you. I mean, this is a very similar conversation to what we had in the first couple podcasts. And, and we're back intentionally so because this is the, this is the action of a business to return to this conversation mm-hmm. over and over and over again. Um, it's like we always suggest to, to the clients we get to work with. It's uh, don't have management meetings, have alignment meetings. Yeah. Again, I'm just, I'm so blown away at how, how something so simple is so complex to enact. Yes. And we can, we can create too much complexity in it. The art of complexity lies in simplicity. Bring it back. Great design is simple design. If we just focus on what matters most, most of the things around it have a tendency to, to find their path. We, we, we strategically find our path to back to alignment and what matters most. So um, I was having a conversation with my neighbors last night. We were all sitting on the patio, and we were um, – uh, the crux of the conversations is, oh, a new social media platform uh, that my children are on. Um, you know, my adult children now that they're on and they don't want us to be on. 
and quite frankly, my wife and I don't really want to be on them either. Um, but we were talking how quickly the product's intention gets moved um, because you're trying to bring more people on. So uh, there's a new social media platform, Be Real. Yeah, so us old people in the room, you know, we all kind of like, what, what? <laughs> so Be Real, it's kind of, uh, you get a random notification and it's meant for you to take a picture so you're not prepped and prepared and planned to present yourself in a certain way. It's meant to showcase some reality, right? It doesn't matter what your makeup it is. Like, you know, now's the time for be real. And you take a picture and it Transparency. actually, it's picture in picture. So, you know, you take it forward, but it also shows you why you're taking the picture. So you in your place, I mean, that's really what it's showing. But a lot of people have figured out that they're kind of gaming this. Sure. And so now it's more, uh, Instagram-y, it's more... becomes a persona. It becomes a persona. Them. And we were just kind of lamenting the, you know, that's so great that they came out with something that they want people to be, to share them, their authentic selves. And then we just kind of lamented the fact that it was getting bastardized in some sense. Yeah. And I I think it's interesting because it says be real and there's a, there's a messaging in that. But one one then wonders what really truly is the intention. Yeah. What is it, and how much? And it does. If you were speaking about authenticity and transparency, and that piece about you know here I am, am I building community, and what does fitting into the community look like? I mean, all these different questions begin to show up in that. It's at the end of the day, you you peel everything, and the messaging of be real, yeah. be real says, be authentic, be honest, be open, show yourself to the world. And that fear of rejection. You know, we talked about underlying fears. Well, this is about rejection. This is about, am I acceptable to others? And yeah. I'm testing that. So I'm actually, I'm testing and hitting up against that fear. It's pretty powerful when you think about it. Yeah. And um, it'll be interesting to see what happens with it. When I, I could see what, you know, the gaming piece of it is. And, and the, the gamesmanship and relationships is often is, do you like me for who yeah. I am? And let me present myself in a way that you're like me or the uh, present myself in a way that you, I appear competent or in, that I can fit in. These are all, these are all, you know, quote unquote, the human gamesmanship that we engage in. More and more and more customers of businesses that I spend my time talking to, there's such a distrust in the marketplace. There's really a desire for this integrity of tell me what you're about. And show through your actions that you're about that. Yeah. So I don't have to guess. So I don't have to guess what your intention is. Yeah, and, and, and there you go. There's the alignment. Yeah. Is create an experience for me through your product or service, what you're offering, that allows me to, to feel a certain way, that I can feel it. And I can acknowledge it. I can know it. I can go beyond interpretation. I can articulate it. And yeah. so... We, we try and articulate as best as we can through brand. The brand needs to align to the actual experience, and we're back to that. Uh, I'll, I'll leave us. You and I had this conversation off air because uh, a couple of weeks ago I had gone to see Nathaniel Rateliff, right? I mean, a, a favorite son here now that he lives in Colorado and um, at Red Rocks, and it was a fantastic show. But it was devoid of a connection with the audience, it was an emanation from the artist as opposed to an inclusion in the thing. Mm -hmm. Different than our conversations about Brandy Carlisle and Dave Matthews this past weekend. Mm -hmm. um, right? I mean, and I think that was my 
it was great. It was just like, but it was like listening to the radio. Um, and so I didn't feel like I was engaged. I, I didn't feel like I was acknowledged by the artist. Uh, didn't matter if I was there or not. Yeah. And when you think about this entire conversation is the acknowledgement of, of the customer, the, the acknowledgement of the person that's, that's buying your product or service and how, how do we acknowledge them? In some cases it can be very impersonal yet we acknowledge you by delivering to your, right? The competency piece, the Absolutely. preeminence. It yep. doesn't have to be personal. It's a, yeah. it, here you, it is. You put Walmart in that low price category. Right. It's and as not you personal said, at the all. Show, <laughs> and as you said, the, the, the music and, and the performance itself was exceptional. Yeah. It was excellent. Absolutely. And it doesn't feel like community. It feels like here's a show for you and there, there's a difference there. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and even watching a, a movie you know, on Disney, we're reminded that the brand itself is so well established around the idea of community. Disney's all about the Disney family. And if it fails to hit that mark, the thing is emotionally and psychologically, we're, we're prepared for that. That's what we're seeking. That's what we're looking for. Yeah. And so depending upon right what, what that actual experience is like, whether it's interactive, whether it's engaging, whether there's acknowledgement of the customer in whatever form, it, it keeps coming back to that emotional quality of the experience yeah, and to, to keep that front and center as we think about our business, as we think about our leadership, as our cultures to, uh, I very often get, you know, which end do we start at? Do we begin with culture and then talk about the product or service? Well, if you already have a culture, you probably want to much like a leader. You need to know yourself. You need to know what the, what the we represents and what we're all about. And, be able to bring that into the marketplace through the product to service. If you're just starting with the product to service, then you're building the culture around that. Yeah. I think either way you look at it at the end of the day, unless you're aligning yourself to the customer experience, you're going to miss the mark, whether it's an I or, or we. Yeah. Thanks, Edgar, for sharing the foundations of the framework today. Yeah, well, thank you for the great conversation. Yeah, I look forward to the deeper conversation around culture and leadership now. Yeah, it'll be exciting. Yeah, it's fun to revisit. Thanks for joining us on the True Alignment podcast today. Uh, if you ever want to send in questions or know when live events are coming up so you can be part of the live audience, info at truealignment.com. Yeah, yeah, please email us. Let us hear from you. We'll hear from you, and you'll hear back from us. Have a great day, everybody. I'm Ken Sagendorf. And I'm Edgar Papke. Thanks for joining us uh, for True Alignment, and we'll see you next time around. Be well. <laughs>